Welcome to the Living Jewishly Podcast. I'm Dr. Elliot Malamud. And I'm Rabbi Yossi Saperman. We talk about Judaism, and we talk about living, and we talk about everything in between. Judaism is not nearly as boring as I thought it was now that I talk to Elliot regularly. We're not selling you on Judaism. We're not selling you on living. We're just trying to get you inside of our brains, the way we think about stuff. By getting you into our Jewish brain, you'll argue a lot, you'll disagree, you'll love, you'll eat, you'll have a really good time, you'll learn a lot of things, and you know what? You might actually find that all those 3,000 years have been worth it. We're continuing our conversation with Noah Tile. Noah, we're speaking right before the high holidays, the Yamim Noraim. What is your experience of these days? I'm wondering, for you, what do you see as a really important idea that you get out of Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur? Just the concept of not being a slave to my past. Every year, there's this opportunity for me to slow down consciously and conscientiously and reflect on how things have been for me. I really appreciate that time. For myself, I often don't take it to this big abstract level of my big list of how I'm going to be so much better. I really try to to narrow it down to very, very small areas of my life that I can improve. And I really resonate with the idea for myself of accounting for and reconnecting with people that I may have had conflicts with. So I really use this time of the year to just think about what kind of person I've been, specifically related to other people, more than other times of the year. So it's often a time that I will try to have reconciliation if there's something to work out, and just make sure that I I feel I'm doing all that I can to to be a good friend uh, to other people. So just the whole concept of change is very interesting to me. Uh, I am so passionate about the concept of change. It's, It's how I do my podcasting. I interview people about very, very, very small things that they want to change in their life, bite-sized things that they want to make an improvement on. And I find that that really creates breakthroughs when, when we really reduce the complexity. And so for myself, I used to maybe come into this season with a lot of expectations, and I've really narrowed that down and just said, hey, throughout the year I can be better, I can make changes, but at this time, perhaps I'm going to choose very, very small areas both from a professional, interpersonal, and spiritual realm of my life, and just try my best to make it even an inch better than it was, one or two percent better. It sounds like a very wise way, really, of envisioning the high holidays, the, the, the think small, and just because it's easier to focus on it and it's easier to accomplish it. Um, is there something this year in thinking small about yourself that you would like to maybe make a change with? I wish this was three months ago, where I had my first episode of my podcast was me talking about how I've been picking my lip for a decade. And just by talking about it in a reflective way, it was able to be eradicated. Right now, in particular, I'm struggling with slowing down during the week. I'm having a difficult time because of all the excitement that I'm involved in. I'm involved in seeing clients in mental health. I'm involved in interviewing people with my Living Memories project. I'm involved in interviewing people for podcasts. I'm building a startup in mental health. There's so many things going on that I feel so excited about and happy about, and it's meaningful for me. And at the same time, uh, I wake up with this edge and this agitation and this excitement, and I love it. I, I embrace it to a certain extent. But for myself, I'm really hoping 
this year that I can actually take not a lot of time, three, three to five minutes before my morning prayers, that instead of just launching into it, I really want to just spend time breathing uh, without, with no strings attached. That's something that I really value a lot in my life that I don't implement, which is just being able to be completely detached from tasks-oriented work. It's something that I'm only really able to do on Shabbat, and I've yet to be able to have a flow of that during the week. And so it ends up being that I, that I just, there's a, there's a rush to my, to my day. And for a long time, I've been talking about integrating more just of a slowness. But because it's so vague for me, and it's always just, I want to be slower in general, it doesn't really do anything. So I'm really hoping this year to have a committed, very small practice that is just involves some deep breathing and some overall just mindful breathing practices. That, that's, and to me, that doesn't just represent being, bringing mindfulness into my life. It, it represents this opportunity to live a bit slower, uh, to take some of that power of that time and see how that impacts the way I work, the way I talk to people, the way I talk to myself, the way I move in the world. I'm really hoping that it'll have a small impact. So I'm not really interested in just being calmer as a general thing. I'm interested in being calmer as a, a value and reflecting that value in some small way in my life. No, it sounds like stopping is actually a very important theme for you. Yeah. Learning how to stop. You, you mentioned that in terms of your feelings about Shabbat, and now you've mentioned it again in terms of a practice you'd like to embrace for the coming year. You also said something that I found quite courageous, which is that you think about reconciliation, and it sounds like you're somewhat proactive in seeking out people and figuring out if there's a problem. Can you describe that process? Because I think that for many people, they're a bit afraid or sheepish to do that. Can mm. you advise people on how that can be done? Because I think everybody out there yeah. has somebody that it's not quite right with. You're talking about with interpersonally reconciliation. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I think this is a very difficult topic because it involves confrontation it involves thoughtfulness and involves thinking things through interpersonally with relationships. For myself, the way that I broach it is, is there's two things that go on. There are relationships that I don't find it to be worthwhile to do the digging with, and I've just accepted the parameters or the limitations. So there I have some friends that I don't feel really ha do a good job of asking me about my life, and uh, so I feel often that I'm just asking them about theirs. But I've accepted it, and I try to find where's the reciprocity of the relationship, and I don't get too caught up. And then there are particular relationships in my life that I decide to have a confrontation with, to try to make better, because it's important to me in some way to do so. So the first step of that is honestly reaching out to the person and actually saying, hey, I've been having some difficulties in our relationship and I just want to talk about it. Are you, are you open to just having a conversation about it? Instead of getting to blame right away or in the moment just having a spill out where it's like something happens and it's a buildup of all these other things that were happening, I find that if I set a frame and I say to myself, I actually want to do this as an event or as an activity as opposed to uh, an, an instantaneous emotional reaction, it just sets a less defensive frame for the people that I'm speaking to. You're talking about mindful communication. In other words, yeah. I, I like what you said there. Instead of it just spilling out, in other words, 
Nobody's dealt with it. Yeah. And of course, it'll leak out at the most inappropriate moment where sure. be, the resentments will all bubble up to the surface. And now you're in an argument. And yes. you're suggesting there's a better way. Yes. There's a way where you mindfully, deliberately seek out the connection and say, without blame, without judgment, here, let's talk. Yeah. Or let's fight. Let's, let's, have a, let's talk and fight. Let's be upset at each other. Let's, mm-hmm. th- there's, if there's trust and there's support in the relationship, then what is the fear? Is the fear that they're going to abandon you as a, as a friend? Is there a fear that they're never going to see you the same way? That's important to, to, to proxy out. And I, again, in the theme of not wanting to feel like I can bring this massive, comprehensive system of reconciliation... The first thing I recommend is just to float the idea in a conscious way and say, I really care about this relationship. I really care about you. And something in this relationship right now is bothering me. And I would really appreciate it if we could, we could talk it out. Can I ask you about your attitude to forgiveness here? Sure. Just right on the point you just made. Yeah. So you're having a difficulty with a friend. And let's say it's something that they did that was hurtful to you. Yeah. And you actually, uh, amazingly, take the reins and bring it up with them. Yeah. You don't even wait for them to apologize. You bring it up with them. What happens if the, what we'll call the forgiveness scene yeah. is disappointing, mm. right? You take the effort of calling them and you're conscious of the issues and you raise them and they're either in denial or really just oblivious to the whole thing. Mm. I want to ask you, what's your attitude at that point? Is your attitude to let it go, to just... Forgive them internally, or do you walk away feeling resentful? What do you do at that moment when the other person doesn't seem to get it? Because I think a lot of people out there are struggling with that. They raise an issue, and it takes guts to raise it. It's uncomfortable, and it's scary, and you could get rejected again. And you raise it, and they still don't come through, or they're just not even there. What's your attitude at that point? My attitude is that it really depends on the relationship. So I have mentally checked out of particular relationships in my life. This has to do with reframing, and I, it is very effective. It depends how you do it. But I, if, if I feel that a relationship is not reciprocal and that I'm not going to get what I want out of it, I'm okay with withdrawing the amount of energy and support that I give in it and just changing what the relationship means to me. Because I am in a committed relationship with my wife and, and I have close with my family and have some really close friends, those are the ones where I would imagine it to be more difficult. Uh, And I think God don't have that experience where I have irreconcilable um, problems in that. And I I don't really have an answer as to how that would look like. But I can imagine that if a person is completely dismissive of your perspective, that's really hard. And I wouldn't give up right away. I think that there's sort of ways to approach and say the same thing in different ways to try, especially if it means something to you, to make it work. Um, But I I don't necessarily want to have that level of commitment to a lot of friends. That's, in particular in friendships, that's not so important because I have so much more tied into very deep relationships and very uh, tightly uh, in terms of the historical and how much my life is tied up with that person's life, that's where I would find that to be difficult. And so I find that the people that I am closest to, thank God, will listen, uh, will hear me, and I will hear them. I I have very conscious relationships with people that I have remembered from a long time ago, particularly with my friend Sam, where about eight years ago at this point, 
I had been told that I don't listen very well. And that was difficult to hear. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree with it completely, but it still stuck with me. And being that I'm growth-oriented in that sense, I've really tried and basically spent my entire career now and what, what I do professionally is listening to people in a very deep way. And so I think that real relationships, part of the substance of that is being able to fight in a properly constructive way. And there's a safety, that there's a secure attachment relationship there, that it's okay to do so. For ones that aren't, and they're not mishpacha, and they're not family that really, family friends, so to speak, I'm okay with changing the importance of the relationship. I want to take you full circle, Noah, as we close out this conversation, to where we started. You talked about certain kind of destructive images in your mind of God and of religion. Um, This Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, how are you thinking about God and the being that you're praying to and what it is that you think you're going to be doing in that relationship? Over the years of my experience of that, like I mentioned, sort of having that pain of relationship with God when my OCD was more apparent in my life and sort of moving out of that and coming back to a more healthy relationship, I just know the limitations. I know for myself, first and foremost, I don't believe, and I'm very thankful for this because a lot of people don't have a struggle, I don't believe that that when my mental health or when my OCD tells me to do something, that it's quote-unquote God telling me to do something. So I feel very blessed in that sense. So, so to speak, I feel God is on my side. I know that might sound abstract, but for some people that are struggling with mental health, God's place in it can be quite scary because they think that what, they, what God wants them to do is what their OCD tells them to do. And I'm thankful that I don't have that experience. And so I know what my trigger points are quite, quite well when it comes to religious religion, uh, certain types of teachings, where I, for myself, the way I want to be reconciled in this coming year is just to do my best to continue to provide value to the people that I love and am connected to, to remind myself as much as possible that my relationship with God is not my relationship with my OCD. And so the way that I, I do that is I, uh, I acknowledge when it's coming up, I say this is, when I have these intrusive thoughts that come up, I, I say this is, no, this is my OCD and I note it. And because I, I, I don't believe that a human being, even if you could go into theology and say these, that certain people live, a, for example, certain people live a lifestyle that if I was living would be completely obsessive compulsive uh, in terms of my relationship. Some people, let's say, need to go to this place or to go to this place to pray or to be around these people or a sagula and all this stuff. And instead of internalizing that as being problematic, I just know that it's, it's not how I can relate to God. And so just continuing to connect to, to where I feel chius and energy and aliveness and acknowledge that my mental health is not my relationship with God. And I've, that's sort of how I was able to reconcile and to to sort of come out the other side, so to speak, and feel healthier in my relationships with spirituality is that I don't, I don't uh, pretend that my mind knows what, what God wants from me. And that's not really what I'm focused on. I'm just not that focused on this sort of prophetic or what's the exact message from God? What does that mean? Because that's where my interpretive lens can come in and because I have these wired thoughts of, that move towards obsessions, I just try to say, hey, I'm trying to provide value. I don't understand everything, 
just want to do my best to be the best person I could be and a healthy Jew and a healthy human being. Thanks very much. Noah Tile is a therapist, rabbinical student, and the creator of the podcast, Change Talk. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Living Jewishly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people like you find our show so that we can continue to grow the Living Jewishly community together. You can find us at livingjewishly.org and on YouTube and Instagram. Living Jewishly is living well with everyone.